So the day that you crossed a million, I don't know honestly what day because by the time I checked it, it was like 1.1 something million. I was like, oh, cool. I'm a millionaire. Yeah, millionaire. Uh, yeah. Okay, great. And okay, and then... Fun. <laughs> okay, to be fair, that was at night before uh, before I okay. slept, right? So I like, okay, cool. So just turn off the phone and I went to sleep and I went to work the next day. So yeah. <laughs> very, very uneventful day. Uh, just like how most... Hello, my name is Andrew and welcome back to another episode of Chill with TFC. My guest today took the fast track to financial independence and achieved $1 million at the young age of 29 through investing. He's a speaker and trainer by profession, a retail investor who manages his own money, and he calls himself a Singaporean nerd who is madly in love with Taifat, which is economy rise in Singapore. His name is Max Cole, and over the next two episodes, we'll explore how Max achieved millionaire status at the age of 29, and also what life is like after achieving that million. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Right. Welcome back to the show, Max. Hello. Yeah. Hi, hi. Okay, because you've been on the show a few times. Yeah. Yeah, of course, you can just search for Max Cole on our TFC episodes. Not just TFC, right? Also on the Stock Geek Guard as well. Yeah. You can find out your history. But we still have to yeah. talk a bit about how you achieved it. So, okay. you know, the just, rest of the Just for the new people yeah. that just joined. The new exactly. coconuts. The we have new, new listeners. <laughs> okay. So yeah. This is Max Cole. Yeah. He's achieved 1 million at 29 years old. Yeah. And that has been about two to three years. Yeah, it's been about two to three years. Yeah. yeah. So how did you first achieve that first million? So I, I think I'll kind of break it down into a few phases. So mainly like three phases, right? So there's the career part, there's the savings part, and mm-hmm. then there's the investing part. So I think to be very upfront, I think everyone's expecting me to say, oh, to achieve the first million, it's some investing tip or some stock that I bought or whatever, because uh, mainly my specialty is in stocks. I don't do any crypto or coins or whatever. But to be upfront, I think the phase is actually more so I was very, very blessed and exceptionally lucky. Like I had a, a good career. I think to be upfront is fantastic bosses, fantastic mentors who kind of saw my passion. So a bit of backstory for the newer people mm. like so my background comes from training speaking uh, public speaking so I come more from the seminar and the marketing space the training development industry so that's why I've loved since you know, I've always loved inspiring teaching people from stage and just kind of like sharing my stories and what have you right so kind of came across great mentors and bosses who kind of gave me that platform to speak so I think that played a very big part because for myself finding a career that you really love and you can just put your heart and soul into it it becomes like play to me so I was working in a great job that paid really well and because of the nature of the training industry you're speaking one to many right so there was scalability in the income as well so I'm just compressing all these things here so I think the first phase was the career and the work and the proper mentors and guidance did help me generate that first pot of gold that they call it so the capital base and then number two I've always been like a typical middle income kid since young so I've always been trained and taught to save and be frugal but I took it to a whole new level where I 
have like a daily, monthly tracking expense spreadsheet. So I've always been a, a very hardcore saver. So in my early days, in fact, till now still, um, I, I would track everything on an Excel spreadsheet. So I don't use any of those apps and everything because I like to go down to the detail and so that I can form my own monthly, weekly graphs, what have you. So yep, very high savings rate in the early days of, I would say, because of I was lucky to have higher income. So savings rate up to like 70%, sometimes even 80%, which I know is not doable for people who have kids and everything. So I think caveat is I was single and I'm still single. So because yeah. of that, it's a lot easier to kind of manage my expenses on my own and then from the last part was just investing in the right businesses and stocks that took me to cross that one million dollars so if i were to break it down that's the three phases but quite honestly it's the first phase that formed the base and then the rest of it kind of was like a cherry or icing on the cake was the investing part that came in mm, yeah. so for the whole saga the whole trilogy of Max's yes, story check out right. previous episodes of TFC yes I think we shared more there so yeah. I'll summarize it even yeah. further right so yeah. three phases right the first part the first phase is yeah. where you picked a high income career mm. with no ceiling on your salary yep. that's one yep. number two high savings rate you cut down on expenses yep. you don't spend a lot yep. number three you invest in a portfolio of concentrated yeah. portfolio yeah. and is in growth stocks and tech stocks, right? Yeah. I would say it's a, it's a mixture of growth, tech, and companies that I myself really like. For example, there's also like fitness companies, whatever, which mm. I did share on some previous podcasts. But yes, uh, generally growth stocks and companies that I feel have a longer runway to grow, but we're not share too much here right, because right. this is not an investing episode. Right? Oh, we, we could talk yeah. a bit about investments okay. here, here and there. Okay. So it, it propelled you to your first first million. <laughs> yep. And because your, your style was more concentrated, mm. you know, it was about portfolio of concentrated stocks. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, what do you think, just now you mentioned that you still think that the first phase contributes more. Yeah. So between earning high income yeah. and investments, yeah. it's still earning high income that contributed to the it first is, million. It is. And I, I think I'll share my take, which may be a very unpopular opinion. So sorry if you're going to dislike this video. But like, um, I always feel for a lot of people, let's say your, your, your savings in the bank or your capital base, let's say, I just put a random number just as arbitrary numbers like 10K, 20K. And then hoping that the 10K and 20K can turn into a million in five years. I it's mean, so hard, is it right? possible? Yeah. Mm. Maybe if you buy the right coin or you buy some more speculative assets, right? But the fact is, in the earlier, so I think the caveat to that statement was in the early years, your income growth, your actual income and the savings rate would form a bigger proportion of your eventual outcome or would play a big bigger uh, determinant of the eventual outcome rather than your investment. So I'm not saying you shouldn't invest. I think everyone should start investing ASAP. But in the earliest, you shouldn't be investing to turn that 10K into a million, but more so because you want to develop the skill sets to learn how to analyze companies or to grow that wealth because knowing how to grow wealth or compound is also a skill set. So it's just to build the skill set such that when your capital base is decent enough, then you'll be able to kind of hit that million. So I think I can share. So for me, right, to... I think kind of, because it's been a few years, right? The day that I crossed my first 100K in the bank, and back then I haven't really started investing that hardcore. So I was just buying the ETFs. I was dollar cost averaging. So yes, that's how I started off as well. Dollar cost averaging into the S&P 500, uh, the SPY, right? So, uh, but I was doing like a little bit of individual stock picking here and there, but my capital was a lot smaller. So I just used it as a phase to gain experience. But the very day that my savings crossed 100K, which I recall was in the OCBC 360 account. Now, that's not a plug, but <laughs> genuinely, <laughs> I am in, like saving the OCBC 360 account. OCBC can find us. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please give me some affiliate fees if that ever happens. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. like the part the day that you cross 100k and I don't mean to sound like 
cocky or arrogant or what, I knew that sooner or later, the million would come. Because having 100k to hit it to a million, it's actually doable. Of course, I don't know when it will come. Maybe it take me 10 years, take me like 20 years whatsoever. I didn't expect it to be a lot fast uh, due to the stocks that I pay. I think that's a lot of luck involved as well. But to me, if I count that, hey, like the million will come sooner or later because it just told me that, hey, I have the discipline needed to save 100k. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the I have the ability to keep my cost low. And number three, I have the ability to just know how to manage my expenses. So all these things make me realize that actually if I look back on my own journey, like the ability to save um, plays a very big part in building that capital base needed to hit that million. So Yeah, the 100K is your real physical evidence yeah. to affirm to yourself that, hey, actually if I can do 100K, I can do 1 mil. Yeah, it how, is. What's the, yeah. How many years? When did you get that 100K? And then when was the 1 okay, million? Okay, so I can't exactly recall, but it's been about, I, know, let's say, I think, 5 years plus. Okay, uh, uh, 5 years to 10X. Yes, yeah, yeah. About that. from 100k yeah. to 1 million. Oh, you mean like from 100k yeah. to a million? Oh, that's, uh, I think, about like three years three plus. Years. Yeah, three, three years, years plus. 10x? Yeah, yeah but, but I would say, okay, to be fair, the 10x didn't come just from that 100k yeah. staying there yeah. and then hitting a million because along that three years, I was still working. I'm still working. So the yeah. income continued to come in. Mm. So it's not like that 100k become 10x purely from investment. So I'm not like a buffer or some saint. Yeah. Right. I mean, you work yeah. hard to get the income yeah. coming in. Yeah. So look at 100k and then it gives you the confidence that you achieve 1 million. But yeah. how do you feel when you achieve that 1 million? This time not in your OCBC <laughs> account. This time it's in your stock portfolio, yeah, your stock right? portfolio yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, I think you're the first person to ever ask that, like, how did it feel, right? Mm. Because most people, when they hear one million, they're just impressed, but they don't really dig deeper. So um, to be completely transparent, and I, I don't mean to burst anyone's bubble, but... Um, Feels like another did, day. Yeah, it just really felt <laughs> like another day. day. I think mm. to kind of break it down, because I think by now you can tell I'm quite a nerdy person <laughs> to overanalyze things, right? So uh, I do a lot of self-reflection and on my own time. And when I look back on the day that I crossed a million, 29 years old, honestly, I felt nothing. It was because it's split into two phases, right? So the, the day that you cross the million uh, in the interactive brokers account for me, which is the stock mm. brokerage app that I use. IBAKR can also find us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Th- right. That was intentional. <laughs> yeah, so like... like I was really expecting to cross a million because it's not like before that I totally am unaware and like hey I wake up one day oh my goodness I'm a millionaire it wasn't that kind of lottery yeah, feeling it it's more like a windfall yes uh-huh. it's like because the like first of all I check my stock brokerage account like once a week due to my own habits of yeah. like monitoring my stocks right so like when it was like 500k 600k 700k 800k whatsoever I was really aware that it was growing really mm. so I kind of I think the metaphor to give is you know I have a lot of psychological books they would say like you know when you go for a vacation or a holiday whether it's like Maldives or somewhere you're really you can't wait to go to normally it's the anticipation leading up to that mark that's uh, or that day that you travel that's a lot more exciting than the actual holiday itself and this felt the same way mm. so like the build up when I was at like 500, 600, 700 I'm like oh yes it's coming it's like I feel so excited but then on the day they hit a million you were already expecting it to happen so honestly what really happened was I can share like the scene by scene breakdown because I still remember I looked at my phone and it was like one point one or 1.1 each million that's the reason why i, I share because i only check weekly mm. so the day that you cross a million i don't know honestly what day because by the time i checked it, it was like 1.1 something million i was like oh cool i'm a millionaire, a millionaire. Uh, okay great and okay, then and then <laughs> okay to be fair that was at night before i <laughs> okay. slept right so i like okay cool so just turn off the phone and i 
We went to sleep and I went to work the next day. So yeah. very, very uneventful day. Just like how most big things we always think about, it's all in the imagination for the build-up and the anticipation and not not so much the actual day of it. Yeah. I mean, you, you planned for it, you worked hard for yeah. it. Okay, so that was your reaction, but how yeah. about the people around you? Friends, family? Okay, so I, I think I'll share a bit of a backstory. I'm I'm quite comfortable coming on this podcast because I think number one, like I've, I've been here a few times, they have great hosts and they have uh, great people that make me feel comfortable. But yeah, I mean, normally I wouldn't be so comfortable to share all these things publicly because I still got very typical Asian genes it's within Asian, me yeah. that is just very self-conscious and not so comfy mm. talking about income especially. So I think to share and what happens is none of my friends and family knew about it for a good two plus years. Mm. In fact, I only started talking about this millionaire achievement and journey uh, since the start of 2022 which is just the last yeah. six months and the reason I think to just cut the long story short was because uh, I launched a, a mini investing course with a good friend of mine called Thomas where we just out of passion wanted to teach people investing and because of that you have to have some credibility or like people are like who the hell are you to be teaching me investing why should yeah. I learn from you so that's the only reason I decided to like share that openly but before that um, quite frankly <laughs> none of my friends knew none of my colleagues knew none of my family members knew and I was very private about it in fact I really got it and made it a point to guide it very very close to my chest and i think you're probably gonna ask what's the reason for that right so uh, i'm just a weirdo la. so my school of mm-hmm. thought because I, I come more from the marketing background the speaking background so there's a lot of psychological books i've read since young that's shaped the way i run my life and the way i behave my values and even my investments right so one reason i was so guarded about this was a few, for a few reasons number one i didn't want myself to be anchored to the label of mm. a millionaire. Okay. Uh, it is something I, I realized across the years of like, before I hit my own seven figures, reading a lot of books, articles of like, whether it's ultra successful people, that the way that society sees you, or the way that your friends see you, if they see you as a certain like multi-millionaire or like billionaires, and then we've heard stories where people just overnight, where they just lose their wealth due to no reason whatsoever in their part or no responsibility on their part. It's just a black swan or like just random bad luck right and then it's very hard to climb back up again because in their life in their identity is shaped as oh I'm this multi-billionaire millionaire and then so they are, they're just better in terms of the the, the esteem and the, the moral and stuff so I made it a very clear point I didn't want to be labelled as a millionaire because mm. I think let's face it right the truth is years from now how life will unwind I never know I could lose it all when I do something stupid hopefully that doesn't happen I could one day donate the whole lump sum away if I find another higher spiritual meaning in life mm-hmm. whatsoever. And then when that day comes, if I want to make these decisions, where let's say I want to, example, donate away or I just want to make a certain move that changes my net worth because it's no longer a priority and when that day comes, I don't want to be tied down to, oh, but over the last seven years or whatever, like all my friends have been looking at me like a millionaire and subconsciously it's going to force me to double think my actions. Mm-hmm. So I basically I want to live a life where I am my own sovereign individual where mm. I can just make the call whatever I want and that money or that, that identity or that label is not plastered on my forehead oh this is a millionaire so I, I kept it very close to my chest for the longest time and that's the reason why I still eat Thai fun every day in yeah. fact I, I still go in like shorts and flip flops everywhere I go the only reason I'm not in shorts and flip flops now is because this is an interview so respect gonna be a bit more okay, proper more yeah. Show, so, yeah, even yeah. though the ex-host that I did an interview with was on <laughs> shorts and flip flops uh, refer to the previous episode yeah. but <laughs> um, yeah, my point is um, there was one reason and the second reason more so was because I just 
didn't know how to actually like it's just very weird like how do you tell go to your friends hey hey I'm a millionaire yeah I'm a millionaire uh. <laughs> what the hell man like nobody's gonna say that so for those reasons I don't say it um, and psychologically I just wanted to protect myself from being stuck in that label or that identity Actually, the whole millionaire at 29 reminds me of, you know, back then, yeah. um, Adam Kuhl's millionaire yeah. at age yeah. 26 story. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. you've, you've heard yeah. of it. Actually, to be he's one of the reasons I was very inspired to start mm. this whole self-help investment, personal finance journey. So mm. uh, a bit of backstory. So when I was younger, I came across Adam Kuhl, attended his programs as well. And of course, I think uh, what happens is saw him on the news and I was like, I want to be that guy because first of all, Adam Kuhl's a speaker, which is the profession that I'm in. And he was... To be upfront, the reason I even came to this industry was I was very inspired by Adam Koo speaking on stage. I was like young, rebellious kid with shitty grades back then in school. I was like, wow, you can be a speaker on stage, make jokes and make people laugh mm-hmm. and then get paid really well. Of course, there was the young me being very naive. Actually, there's a lot more behind the scenes yeah. as to that. But so that was the reason I started since you brought Adam Koo. And also that was the reason why I wanted to hit my first million at a young age as well. So mm-hmm. to be fair, you brought up a very good point, which is Adam Koo is one of the part of the reasons that actually motivated me to want to hit my own version of financial freedom at a young age. Yeah, but I, I think your story yeah. is a little more grounded because, okay, because I know Max, um, middle-class family, yeah. Yeah. really no huge yeah. financial support from the family. <laughs> yeah. Like you really yeah. earn your own, own million yeah. by age 29. Yeah. I mean, three years later than Adam, but okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but but here's, the, here's the thing. We, we have different starting points. Yeah, yeah, sure. Adam Koo's starting point is quite different from yours. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel that I can relate to your story a little bit more. Okay, because I, hope, you really... I hope he doesn't watch this episode though, because <laughs> he's, he's really one of my childhood idols and I have a lot of respect for him. So yes. Right, he's, yeah. he's inspired yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, but I'm just talking about different starting point, making a yeah. difference, right? I yeah. mean, if you are, let, I can just give a hypothetical scenario. If you are the eldest child of a family with four younger siblings, let's say your mom is sick, your dad has to quit his job too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if you start a business first, if you invest, yeah. it's higher risk, right? Yes. Yeah. Definitely so. Of course, yeah. that's not to undermine Adam's own efforts in his own own journey as yep, well. For sure. But everybody has a different journey. Yep. So I think what people can take away from this episode, right? Like this is just your story. Yeah. Like personal finance is very personal. Like, yes. If you're listening to this, you're gonna well, you find it. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, so... find your own way there, man. I, I think you mentioned something that was a very humbling experience for me. I can share that only happened about one year back. So what happens is after I... And back then, of course, I've crossed my first million for, I think, one year plus, right? So I'm a bit used to that. And then I think there was one day that a few friends of mine over the over the years, um, they would ask me, like, how do you actually, you know, build financial security? So they don't know that I'm a millionaire, but they know that I'm mm-hmm. certainly financially stable. And they would ask for tips. And I always say that, you know what? Um, you got to work hard. And the typical advice, like, you yeah. know, like, save your first 100K. And then because once that is done, you really have capital, go invest it. Because if most people, by the time you're a lot older and you don't have that, at least financially stability to show for, then it's really your fault and your responsibility. So I used to use that as like a preaching advice to share with friends. But then only one year ago, I completely changed my mind on that. And Mm. I felt that. So I think, yeah, you really gave me that 
interjection point, right? And uh, it was such a humbling experience because of something that you mentioned. So I think to give some background, I come from a middle-income family, but my middle-income family was really, and I'm the only child, right? So I have like all the love and all the support showered on me. So even though I didn't have like um, a bungalow or landed property to stay in since I was young, but it's it's a very comfortable upbringing. So I didn't have mm. to, I, 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 I'll just be up for, I never had to go a day hungry. I can never be one of those that gives you the very sexy story where I eat like Kongguan biscuits and Maggie me and then there were loan sharks outside my house because I know friends like that but I didn't have to go through any of that so it's very very comfortable upbringing and so because of that I formed that that basis of that advice I shared just now which is that most people if by the time you're old and you're not at least financially secure it's your own fault mm. but then I met a friend of mine for dinner and, and she's a, a self-made entrepreneur um, similar age in fact a bit younger than me runs like online businesses and does about like 5-6k a month which is, isn't much but it's still very decent from an online business while still working full time and it was I still recall over Starbucks coffee and we got into a very uh, intellectual deep discussion which I love and similarly she was like many of my other friends asking me for like financial advice and strategies and whatever and I was just sharing this same philosophy that I just shared and she cut me off and said something she said like Max but have you ever wondered that maybe you're able to hit um, your own version of financial security or stability because since young, you actually have quite a stable upbringing. Mm-hmm. What about those people who, which is what you mentioned just now, have like maybe four siblings to support and then when they are in university or for some, it may be even worse when they are in army or when they are in like JC or poly, suddenly there's news that, oh, the debt just got cancer. There isn't an insurance policy or actually the debt's bankrupt. The debt owes money to loan sharks that they never knew and they have to start paying and then like the mother just approaches them and like, you know what, uh, dear, I'm sorry, I think you have to start paying a bit for the family's uh, burdens because I, I can't um, fuck out everything myself, for example. And, mm. and then she started telling me her own story and it's a bit similar like this where her dad went through certain bankruptcies and issues and she had to fork out her own pocket money from university, from a tuition part-time fees. And even when she went to, to start work, right, in an normal 9 to 5 job, most of the salary savings after expenses, everything was going to the family's covering of the debts for the for the debt, right? So she shared all this with me very privately and I was like, well, that very day I went home, I felt so freaking humble and I felt so blessed at the same time because I was like, yeah, that's so true. Like I was able to hit this millionaire by 29 because along the years in my early start of the years, which we all know compounding, the earlier you start, the better and the, the faster it goes at the later stage, right? I didn't have anyone need to interrupt this process for me. I didn't need to pay certain expenses or need to bear certain burdens, whether it's illnesses or debts or what have you. So all that money that I could save with that, with that high savings rate I mentioned went into compounding. But if I was someone like her and I'm sure her story is not common, it's not uncommon is a lot of uh, people going through that as well where you have to pay bills pay certain burdens and because of that by the time you're done paying Mm -hmm. you're in your maybe early 30s which is nothing wrong it's still considered early but that's where they start the real financial journey and because Mm -hmm. of that that's where the compounding really starts so maybe because of that they only achieve it at maybe in their mid 40s or 50s and then we're like oh actually it's not that impressive but to be fair it's in no choosing of theirs they were just dealt that hand and so that really just made me so humble and I just ate my words and from then on I just stopped giving the advice where you know what make your first 100k and then afterwards go invest because if you're not going to do so by the time you're old you have only yourself to blame I think yeah. that's a very very arrogant statement and yeah I learned a lot of that so yeah thanks for bringing that up totally mm-hmm. forgot that lesson yeah so yeah. we acknowledge whatever privileges we have yeah. but at the same time we recognize that we're all at different phases and stages in life we're yeah. all held different cards yeah, to exactly. work with right exactly yeah. Yeah. and in your case you, you played the best hand that you had 
Yeah, and I had a very, very decent hand to, yeah. to, to start with. So in no choosing of mine, whatever, I mean, whatever mm. higher power you believe in, whatever um, spiritual person you believe in, like it's in no like credit of mine that I got this hand and I played it well. But I think to a lot of people who had tougher hands, mm. I feel that a lot of times in society, we always look at the end outcome. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, this yeah. person's a millionaire, this person's, oh, just sold a startup for $5 billion at 29, whatever. It's cool, but you don't look at the starting point. And I think for me, my starting point, it's definitely, I would say, above average already so taking that into account I personally feel that whenever I look at someone else's achievements who may not have like that million by what age but looking at their starting point mm. I feel like you know what I cannot hold a candle to that so you completely nailed it yeah and of course yeah. being a millionaire is not the end goal of life it's not the only goal as well I mean exactly. if you're listening to this podcast you're yeah. looking for some form of financial yeah. security freedom yeah. independence whatever it is right yes. but yeah. a million or whatever 100k is just different checkpoints for you to assess your, your journey. There are, there are more things in life of which we are trying to find out, you know? like So what's life like after a million? You, um, you, still, yeah. you still track your expenses. Yeah, I still do. After a million. <laughs> Is do. it necessary? <laughs> so much money already is to check. Um, I think old habits die hard. La. So mm. I'm just a... Kiam Siap kind of misers for <laughs> those of you who are international foreign friends Kiam Siap means like miserly cheapskate yeah, so, yeah, but yeah, so, yeah. yeah. cheapskate with yourself <laughs> not necessarily with your with myself loved ones right yeah yeah, yeah I'm not so, wait, so your question is how's life after mm. the million right and about tracking yeah. expense yeah. How, how do you track how detailed like Every time you pay, yeah. my, you, you every single time, in. yes, yes. Which is an app or something. Like, um, the app is called Google Oops. Sheets. Oh, Google Sheets. <laughs> <laughs> every yeah, single yeah. expense, every one single cup expense. of coffee, yes. one dollar. Okay, now one dollar twenty cents. <laughs> yes, yes, but, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I do. I do, yeah. Later on, I'll show you because my phone's not with me now. It's on the table there. <laughs> so I track it down to the dollar and then afterwards, so I have a net income column, which is after you minus CPF and everything. And I have a expenses column all in. And then I have a net savings column, which tabulates the difference and then mm-hmm. savings percentage and right, then a right. month on month and a year on year. And then I can see the, the difference last year and this year to see whether I'm getting a bit naughty and kind of like starting to feel a bit more comfortable. So that really helps me to understand whether I'm swaying off. Because I think for me, it's the military this journey never just been never has never just been about the million right it's always been about just i just want that choice and that power like you know mm. the ability to say no i don't want to do this mm. and you want to do it you go do it yourself so it's a bit of a selfish agenda i just want to be my own sovereign individual whatever so that's why i still track it down to that intense basis and the reason people ask me why don't you use like certain apps because i know there's a lot of these personal finance apps these days right well, i think it's like the credit card yeah. bill the debit at the end of the day yeah. yeah so so and the reason is because i think i'm just old school so i think no particular reason i just like the control of being able to kind of form put my own formulas into the sheets and everything. So that's why I, okay, I Regarding expenses, yeah. I have a personal experience to share yeah. and yeah. I'll see if you agree or not. Because yeah. I, I did that before. So okay. I have an app on my phone. Yeah. That was a long time ago, more yeah. than 10 years ago. Yeah. And similarly, every time I top up my EasyLink card, every small little expense, uh, 50 cents, I just track it in. Yeah. I might miss here and there, but <laughs> yeah. I would say 99% yeah. of my expenses are tracked. Yeah. I did that for, was it maybe a year? Wow. So, okay. so I, cool. I think what, okay, you're still doing it now. You've been doing it for years. Yeah. I did it for one year. My experience from that is that it's useful because it helps you to see where your money is going. And you realize, okay, you're, you're taking too much taxis. Back then it was yeah, yeah, yeah. You're taking, living a good life. You must cut down on your transport expenses. Yeah. So that's good. It gives you an overview. But I think what's not too good for me is that it makes me focus too much on the nitty, nitty gritty in life. Yeah, and yeah. I'm missing, you know, when you 
look at the trees, you yeah. miss the forest, that yes. kind of feeling. Yeah, yes. it feels that I'm yes. just too focused on the small stuff. Do you have that feeling though? Mm. To be fair, I face that and there are days I question myself as well. Is this like, am I overdoing it, right? So I don't have the best answer. Just old habits die hard. So I'm just used to it and I it, cannot stop doing it. And I guess my personality, I'm just very analytical and I just like to know. And so for me, it's like, uh, so I, I think this is in line with another question that you asked just now is this, how is life like after being mm. a millionaire? So I, I think I'll share a bit more and that will kind of uh, review a bit of this question. So life after millionaire, um, I bought two BMs, I've bought a Mercedes Benz. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I just wanted to see the serious like, faces. I knew you. <laughs> like, it's you, like, you, that doesn't mean we're waiting for the Grab to go home yeah, that day. I'm like, where like, got Benz? Yeah, you send me home. Man. So then I had to have a Ducati in like the garage. <laughs> okay, no, okay. so what happens is... Uh, how's life like after millennia I still eat the same old stuff every day which is the one and only Thai fun <laughs> so, hey, you know this dude posted on his Facebook uh, there was like $11.70 Thai yeah, fun yeah, right? yeah, and you were yeah. so shocked right? I'm like oh love millionaire <laughs> no, I was pissed eh? I was <laughs> genuinely pissed that someone charged me $11 for Thai fun like okay but I think inflation and whatever inflation, inflation. Yeah, so but anyway I think um, just to segue a little bit like the reason I love economy rice or vegetable rice is that it's like a buffet to me like, like after and because I work out so I need the protein mm. sources and like where else can you get this amount of three meat or two meat for like less than 10 bucks I mean like it's tough right so and then normally if you eat like I don't know fish soup or whatever it's like, it's like them pathetic slices of fish okay anyway okay. I digress so you track calories too right I do yeah so, so I'm, I'm an obsessive life. tracker I track yeah. my sleep I track my number of minutes I meditate a day so I mean I, I don't think anyone wants to be like me but that's okay. just my person so anyway my point is so I still track these expenses day to day and I realized after I crossed my first million there's only one thing that I started doing differently which this one is uh, it was intentional it was uh, in every six months, months I do like a journal reflection of my own mm last six months and how I think I can improve and it was uh, this was about one year after I crossed my first million and I was like okay I think it's time to be a bit wiser with how I use my money so the keyword is wiser not like looser I told myself I want to use my money to buy back a bit of time because I was super frugal in my early years right so of course you normally exchange time just to save that bit of money which may not be wise but I think that worked for me and my personality so I wrote down that, okay I'm gonna travel more in grabs and cabs and taxis. So mm. my expenses have ballooned by a fair bit since the early days where I was saving 80% of my savings. Uh, that's never happened for a long time since then really because of the grab and expenses. But that buys me more time to on these grabs or, or these taxi trips to read the books that I want to read. So it's still all about improvement and trying to mm. grow further. Uh, mm. But I still take the MRTs quite often. It's just that sometimes when I want to just kind of cut through the commute traffic I, I use like grabs and all that so that is how I track these expenses and so to answer the question very in a long-winded way that tracking even though you mentioned and sometimes I also ask myself am I overdoing it but the usefulness comes not in the day-to-day the usefulness comes in the month-to-month and the year-on-year so for you it's because unfortunately you only tracked it for like one year mm. so you should have done it for another 12 months oh, and then uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah then you would see like hey, last year July versus this year mm. July what was my expenses like what was my expenses this year and then I could also see the savings percentage because the income I earned last year and this year may be different so that will allow me to kind of see how I'm actually loosening up or how I'm actually whether it's staying the same over the year so to me the usefulness comes more across time because tracking for the sake of looking on a day-to-day basis is super micro right you want to look at it contextually across time so that is what helps and so yeah this answers the question Mm. I hope yeah how has your life changed not too much you still eat Thai fun you just grab a bit more but yeah, sometimes you yeah. do take public transport yeah, anything yeah. else 
Um, no, so the main thing is really the grab. Mm. The, the grab. How about um, mentally and yeah. psychologically? I mean, you mentioned one thing. Now you can give the middle finger to people, <laughs> la, right? You see that That's what we share right? in private. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to say, like, you screw it. you and do your own yeah. things. Because you yeah. want, you mentioned power. Mm. I will also add autonomy to that, like freedom mm. to do whatever you, you want. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How about you know spiritually, mentally, emotionally? <laughs> how has it changed? Um. Yeah. So I would say, obviously, I wouldn't lie. Right? I mean, it's like it's definitely a lot more peace of mind knowing that you have that. Um, money that's liquid right? because it's not like stuck in some property mm. whatever it's liquid even though the downside to liquidity is always there is volatility and fluctuations especially now July 2022 yeah, in growth yeah. stocks I think you all know what's happening right but yes yes so I would say thankfully because um, I was lucky where I, I crossed that seven figures a bit earlier so despite the drawdowns I'm still okay hopefully mm-hmm. stays, it stays this way, way but <laughs> nobody knows which is why back to my earlier point as to I don't want that label identity crushed on me because one day for some reason I made a stupid move and all stocks go to zero for example mm-hmm. then if I'm starting from scratch hey you know what at least I'm not burdened by that label of a, of a millionaire right so but, but my point is um, to your question any changes in spiritual no it's just mentally I feel safer there's only two main things I spend a lot more on number one is actually taxis and grab which I mentioned because I want to travel more in comfort and the ability to buy back time number two I actually spend a lot more time uh, networking with friends and people that I just really love and just want to hang out with whether it's for learning for growth or just to catch up uh, I'm more willing to kind of like just uh, in the past we always go Dutch I'm more willing to let them just I'll just foot the bill please don't use that against me <laughs> okay, let's but, go for me yeah, yeah. I, I think and the reason is because I just see like you know I see it as investing in another form. It's just investing relationships, right? Mm. Whereas I think um, a bit about myself and to show you how what I am and that's why I think quite frankly the millionaire life may not be for everybody or uh, at least through the way I did it, it's really not recommended even though I now I've been through. In my early days, I was a classic no man. Like you know the yes man, uh-huh. like, you know everything you say yes, I'm uh-huh. the extreme opposite and mine was really extremely bad. Like, I would say no to everything where like you want to ask me out. Of course, I, I won't say no in your face because I have social EQ, right? Yeah, so yeah. I will find a way to snake out and I'll say, oh, I'm busy, blah, blah. Yeah. I'll share a true story though now that you you reminded me like it's, it's, it got so bad to the point where there was one day it was my birthday so my birthday falls in September and my whole life I've always been I've never been a big fan of birthdays birthday because another day. yeah mm-hmm. because I mean to me my belief is my birthday is the day that I should give thanks to the person who gave birth to me which is my mom and it's I mean but I'm sure everyone's gonna think I'm nuts but like, I think the birthday is some, some day the day where you where you thank the people who brought you into this earth and not so much it's not really about yourself right so I've never really believe in the concept of birthdays oh you're gonna go and have a bunch of cakes and, and, and shit right so pardon me so um, there was one day on my birthday years ago my, my boss my mentor a great friend of mine who I really owe a lot to asked me hey Max today's your birthday why not we go out for dinner I'll buy you dinner let's celebrate together and I said oh uh, no actually I'm I'm busy mm. and of course he knows me because he's my mentor yeah. right? and then he, back then he had, a, he had a kid that was just born like a one year old baby he still took up his young son and like look at this face he wants to go out with you <laughs> are you gonna say no to that because his son was just beside right and he was and like, I, because I really love his son it's so cute right I was like no, um, to oh, be to, to be fair, you said yeah, no. I said no, yeah, yeah, to the, the baby face, face yeah, face? <laughs> yeah. But oh. I gave a legit reason. I said, oh, it's because um, actually my mom wants to celebrate with me uh, and so because of that, it's legit reason. Yeah, <laughs> Here's the truth. I think you know the reason. Okay. My mom asked me the same question on that day. Because <laughs> as being my mother, I'm the only right, child. Right, like, hey, yeah. do you want to go out for dinner? Uh-huh. Oh no, my boss asked me yeah. out for dinner. So what do you want to do? You want to spend time alone? Yeah. So what happened? True story. I went out 
to the library because I couldn't go home because my mom's at home, right? So I okay, couldn't because okay. I, I would like kind of spoil the alibi. So I went out to the <laughs> library, sit there and read books like self-help books. And I felt so happy that day. So my point is, I was the classic no man, everything I would say no and because I really saw a lot of opportunity cost in time. So I was mm-hmm. obsessed with how I allocated my time, which I think can you can tell from the way I track obsessively all the different things. So, And I think that helped me build a lot of the assets that I built when I was younger in terms of building skill sets, building knowledge and investing, learning. So I was, a, I was a machine for learning and growth and self-help and stuff. So that gave me the skill sets needed. But once I crossed that million, I asked myself, I think I should use that money to buy back the time that I've lost and the yeah. networks that I've maybe un- indirectly, unknowingly burned and the bridges by being a big rejector of everything and so now these days I say yes a lot more often and quite frankly I'm a lot happier like I've realised that like my biggest regret now looking back is shit I should have done that earlier like because the doors opportunities open for you a lot more number two when you feel that genuine connection with someone that you never once knew his past story his backstory like wow I should have asked this person out for coffee years ago would have, would have been like closer friends and everything so yeah big regret of mine but I guess Things happen for a reason, right? So yeah, that's the only two things that change the the traveling and more comfort and more time for myself and investing more in relationships and people. And that was part one of our conversation with Max. Thank you for listening. I hope you've learned something useful today. Check out next week's episode for part two of the interview where we find out more about what life is like after achieving financial freedom and also get more tips on how to look at money, how to plan your finances and how to manage your investment portfolio. Stay tuned. 